Roma would never hunt Liverpool down, right? Well, we've taken a break from the goals to give you some punditry. Now, Klopp's got them there. Who's best place to lift the Champions League when they go up against Real Madrid? We'll talk about that with some Premier League in between, contentious managers of the month and relegation slippage. That and more coming up on the Totally Football Show. Thank you, everyone, for your feedback on Monday's show. That is genuine, by the way. For those of you asking where all the people with the European accents are, well... They're all here today. Bonjour to professional Frenchman Julien Laurent. Bonjour, Caroline. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, fresh from a Golazzo podcast, which how many times, James Horncastle, do people tweet saying, I always thought it was Go Lazio? Oh, they do that a lot. Yeah, we have clarified that. Good. But yeah, if, if you want it to be Go Lazio, it is Go Lazio. And I, I was going to say fresh from the 6.15 Ryanair from Rome, but, but there's nothing fresh about him. <laughs> Sasha Gorinov's also here. And buongiorno. I mean, you are fresher now. Yeah, you? I'm much better now. Uh, we he should held ex- himself down. <laughs> Did he? Did you help? <laughs> now, why are you not fresh? And why are you wearing a European jiu-jitsu t-shirt? Uh, well, basically, um, it was out there to scare the ultras. Uh, so if they do anything to me, my, my wife will go and get them because she is the jiu-jitsu champion. She actually is she's going to the Euros in Barcelona uh, tomorrow. Uh, so she's fighting in the purple belt category. So oh. good luck to her. Good luck yeah, to you. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, good luck to her, but this isn't about her. Uh, so <laughs> I, I was going to say good morning to you all, but perhaps I should just say uh, welcome to 12 goals into Roma Liverpool, which is around about now, isn't it? What was it like, Sash? It was fun and not so fun. Um, the pickup before the game, we had to basically turn up at uh, Villa Borghese. It's a lovely place, but <clears throat> not unless you're queuing up to be squashed into very sweaty buses, to be mm. bussed into the ground and wait go through four checks, um, scanners that weren't working without any explanations. But we got there about uh, an hour and a half before kickoff. Uh, the game itself was an amazing experience. Uh, uh, Roma fans really put their heart into supporting their team. I have to say it was, it was loud, but it wasn't intimidating in the way, for example, San Siro was when Liverpool played there 10 years ago when uh, Inter were trying to recover from a 2-0 deficit. Um, so this time, of course, um, Roma, I think... Roma obviously used the motivation from the previous three nils to convince themselves that they can do this. But I think on the night, despite the score, um, Liverpool won actually quite easily. I know fans uh, in the end did get a bit nervous towards the end. You could see that Liverpool were very tired, but as a spectacle, it was wonderful. Uh, there was also no trouble. We got back into the city centre very, very late, I think about one o'clock. Uh, but managed to find ourselves a couple of beers and I managed not to go to bed and slept on the Ryanair air flight this morning, the one you're talking about. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think we should just all go home now. That was it summed up, wasn't it? <laughs> Apart from to say it's blooming brilliant. What a wonderful couple of days we've had in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, certainly the Real Madrid-Bayern Munich game was far more dramatic than, than last night because I agree with Sash. I think the game ended after nine minutes last night. As soon as Manny scored, you knew that... Roma could try as much as they could. It was never, they were never Yeah, but you would have been a that. fool if you'd walked out after nine minutes. It was still blue- true, brilliant. True, and there were some good things. I thought the level of that semi-final last night was not as good as the semi-final on Tuesday night. Uh, that doesn't mean that Liverpool don't have a chance in the final against Real Madrid, but I just thought in terms of game themselves, mm. um, I much prefer Tuesday night. Uh, probably because, like we said, there was a bit more drama. But yeah, those two games, if you put apart the, uh, the referees' mistakes... It was it was it was pretty cool. On the subject of Liverpool Roma, though, do you think maybe it was because they're all a bit cream crackered? I'm not looking at you, Sasha. With what the list. referees? Are <laughs> 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 the Liverpool players? Uh, the Liverpool players. Uh, to me, <clears throat> the Liverpool looked very very tired. Certainly, a much lower level of performance than we saw at Anfield. Um, there was a moment about 35 minutes in where Liverpool had the opportunity to break, and it looked like they couldn't run. I mean, it was a very stuffy evening. It was a very tiring game. <clears throat> It's the emotion. It's the emotion. They made Fazio look quick again. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, Salah couldn't outrun players. Salah was offside often, which indicates to me a tired player. So he couldn't judge uh, as well as he would have done otherwise. Um, Having said that, I think Mane was excellent. Uh, Probably the outstanding player for me. Robertson was good as well. Robertson, barnstorming run, which eventually led to the second goal. But the thing is, Robertson, he's always good. Yeah. I think it's... it's Well, that's the thing. As you were mentioning, this team does seem to be flagging um, a little bit. And yet he was making getting to the byline, putting crosses in. 
um, seemed to be tireless. Wow. Uh, it was great to see his former Hull City teammates, um, who were, he was a part of that famous photo. I remember the pre-season where there was hardly any Hull City nine. players yeah. left. Yeah. And I think it was David Milo was saying that he's the last guy standing. Incredible story <laughs> that Robertson is in that uh, in the final. You're, I mean, you're if, not alone in saying that at the Totally Show. Uh, Ross says, are we overlooking Andrew Robertson for the Ballon d'Or? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Craig says, if Liverpool win the Champions League, will Mr Robertson's story be uh, from part-time Scottish footballer to Champions League winner be better than Vardy's? But not as good as Clavens. <laughs> Can we not compare Robertson and Clavan even just as stories? Oh, it's, nice. it's wonderful. And I think, I've, I think I mentioned it on the show before. I remember Atem Ben Arfa when he was a Hull saying this Robertson kid is going to be, has the potential of being amazing at left back. And I think all the, the flaws that Atem has, he saw this one coming. And I think for me, it's one of the bargains of the season of you know of last summer uh, for this season for Liverpool to you know to go and get him at Hull for the money they paid for him is just well they effectively well traded him for Kev Stewart who couldn't yeah, get in the team much, yeah. that's, that's pretty oh. much what happened yeah part time even Smith who went to Bournemouth for pretty much the same amount of money the summer before part time studying uh, then he was at Queens Park in the Scottish yeah. third wasn't he? Uh, do we want a Clavin story um, no I'm just thinking well obviously Clavin isn't a great player but um, uh, I quite like the fact that the Super Cup should Liverpool win the Champions League he's actually in Tallinn this year. Mm. So, Clavon goes back home. <laughs> oh, God. I was just applying a, an asterisk to that one. Um, the, the game itself, then, we, we've touched on perhaps whether we're going to see a different Liverpool side come the, the final, at least. The keeper, for me, looked better. Karis, I thought, looked all right. Although there are, there are question marks yeah, clearly over the keepers. Huge save. From Dzeko. Um, what, to just push that one away. Um, I think Roma felt that uh, he should have been sent off at one stage, because uh, Dzeko went round him and was wrongly flagged offside. But the new rules this season, he would not have been sent off because they've done away with the uh, triple uh, punishment uh, rule. So it would have been a penalty and the yellow card. Um, but yeah, I think, again, he is one of those players that at the start of the season, you look on that on you look on paper at that Liverpool team and you think the goalkeeper, that's a problem position. And yet he's improved. Robertson, again, player that you look at and you thought, mm, they could... Maybe not do better, but he's going to have to improve. He has. And uh, that's the story, really, of, uh, of Liverpool. Um, that uh, this team, which was fourth in the, in the Premier League last year, um, out-qualified Arsenal for the Champions League by what a point, um, has had to come all the way from the Champions League playoffs against mm. Hoffenheim um, in order to get to the final. Um, yeah, this, is one, this has been one big old journey. Um, for for the team and this group of players, really. And this group of players scored 46 goals, which is the new Champions League record. Mm. And this is why when there was talk of Roma comeback, people realised Liverpool will score uh, at the Olympico once or twice. So Roma are going to have to basically score just an, an implausible number of goals to, mm. to get through. And this this is why for me, uh, after the first game, we, it, it was odd that people were so down after the 5-2 win. Whereas I think in reality, well, Roma were never capable of coming back. Well, that's what Klopp was saying on the eve of the game, wasn't he? He's like, people are saying that uh, Roma just need to win 3-0. Just need to win 3-0. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's, a big, that's a big turnaround. And... Um, yeah, as the, as the boys said, that once that Mane goal went in, I think the disappointing thing from Roma's point of view was that uh, that was a gift. Um, and uh, and Di Francesco afterwards was saying that the fifth goal at Anfield came from a corner. And Which the, they passed out. It yeah, was actually no an error yeah. pass. And the second goal last night was a corner. And it's those details um, that make the difference. And while Roma's owner... Um, I think quite rightly had some grievances with the referee and their sporting director did as well, just as I think Liverpool fans um, had some grievances with, could have some grievances with, with the referee if the result had not gone their way. Mm. Um, he was saying that it's details like that, not defending corner kicks or Rajana England passing it to no one in particular. Those, we made silly mistakes just as the referee made mistakes. There was still, there was still a, a world between Liverpool and Roma. I don't think there was legs. a world between I them. think there was. I, 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 I thought there, there was, was a difference in class between the two. And there was moments, I think there was a moment just before half time where I think um, Mane was up against Florenzi mm. and he sort of went past him once and went, I'm going to go past you again yeah. just, just to show that I'm that, that much better than you. And actually, one point to make as well Gini Vinaldum finally scored away. For Liverpool. It's three uh, years. First time in three years. So, thing, yeah, it's, it's his first away goal yeah. for Liverpool. And it was very curious weight in their way. And because 
it looked like he was offside. So there was about one or two seconds before people actually started celebrating because everyone was looking at the linesman. But I mean, that, that, that corner kick does come from Robertson yes, exactly. blitzing Florenzi for pace on that side. Florenzi, we shouldn't forget, is, a, is a, a winger and a midfield player playing as a fullback because they've had a number of injuries in that position. So it's a little bit like Lucas Vasquez doing that for Real Madrid. But one thing I would point out, I thought Florenzi uh, was getting quite a lot of space to put the ball in yesterday, which which looked like it, it could be quite dangerous yeah. to the thing for Liverpool to do because effectively they had Robertson tucked in and I think they had Mane effectively covering that space. Mm. And I thought that was a bit of a risky strategy. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a point at which I'm supposed to speak, but I generally don't want to. <laughs> Apart from to say, ELJ writes, will people finally show some respect to Liverpool's midfielders, especially Milner and Henderson, who most dummies think are poor players? I think Milner's story is remarkable, so yeah. I'm just going to jump in. Uh, because he was a makeshift left-back. Uh, he certainly, in many people's minds, didn't appear as a first-team player this season. And now he becomes the key midfielder, that central position that he wanted to play in this run. And... The amount of running and covering again he did last night. I mean, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold needed help in the first half because he was being overrun. Milner took into that position. And he was trying to effectively, I think at one point, cover both flanks. Mm. And he, another guy who kept going towards the end whilst other, some of the other players looked visibly tired. Mm. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Milner because I agree with Sasha. I think it's amazing. And it shows you how important intelligence is in football. And I think a lot of people overlook you know, intelligence in football and just think about oh, how technical is he, how physical is he. Mm. And I think for me, and Milner is living proof that you might not be the quickest or the strongest or the tallest or even technically the most gifted. But if you've got football brains and you've got that intelligence, you are an incredibly valued player. And all things being equal, Milner or Henderson to Russia for the World Cup. There's not even much for me. <laughs> There's not much for me. I mean, why wouldn't he want to be a World Cup winner, Milner, eh? Yeah. He wants to be a European Cup winner with Liverpool. All oh, right, yeah. That's yeah. You know what I learned last night about Liverpool? Mm. Is that LeBron James owns 2% of the club, which I didn't know that he bought when Fenway bought the club uh, for around $6.5 million at the time. And good on him because now he's worth at least five times that. Whilst we're on to celebrities, Samuel L. Jackson is a massive fan. Yeah. Oh, good. Russell Crowe is, of course, very disappointed with the score last night. Uh, in that before the game, you know, he was, you know, he wanted them to be the gladiators that he was in that Coliseum. And unfortunately, oh. Rome could not, could not quite live up good. to that. Deliver. Russell Grant, on the other hand. Oh. Uh, now, it's a journey that started on the 15th of August, as you were pointing out, Jules, in Germany against Hoffenheim. And then it ends on the 26th of May when Klopp's men face 12-time winners, Real Madrid in Kiev. That after the 2-2 draw with Bayern at the Bernabeu, meaning they went 3-4-3 on aggregate, producer Ben has asked some proper questions of Rafa Honigstein a little bit earlier. Rafa, it was a brilliant game, really, really different to the terrible first leg, but how did Bayern not win this tie? Not exactly sure. I mean, they certainly created enough chances to to win, but I think ultimately over the two legs, they just gave themselves a little bit too much to do. I mean, they, they very clearly had enough firepower to knock Real Madrid out, but I don't quite think they had enough precision up front and they, of course, gave away two goals, which just ultimately just proved perhaps one or two too many. Despite all their injuries, certainly in the, in the second leg, they, they did turn up. They produced a great performance, an epic performance, perhaps even, but ultimately it ended uh, in tragic failure. So we'll, we'll talk about the attack in a moment, but we've got to talk about the bat. It was very much a case of things not being all right on the night, Raf. Uh, what have the papers made of Mr. Sven Ulrich and his absolute horror show? Yeah, I mean, they're not being too harsh on him because he's come in uh, fairly low on confidence when Neuer got injured and has gradually improved and has really done quite well for Bayern this season. Um, certainly against Sevilla, saved him once or twice. Uh, but of course, it's an inexcusable mistake and it makes you wonder if Bayern perhaps made that slight mistake of overestimating the importance of having a really good backup. I mean, it's the sort of thing that nobody would have thought about. Neuer has never missed any real number of games since moving to Bayern in 2012. But when he was needed, good enough replacement, he perhaps wasn't quite there. So it's 14 consecutive Champions League away games now in which uh, Bayern haven't kept a clean sheet. That, that tells its own story. But what about up front? What's, what's been going on with Lewandowski? I'm not exactly sure. He's certainly not the same factor. He doesn't quite have the same presence, doesn't quite do enough for his team, even when he's not scoring, which has always been a, a trademark of his game, certainly was when he was at Dortmund. I felt he was better in the second leg than it was in the first, but still not with the, with the impact, with the cutting edge 
action or shot or pass that, that you wanted from him. And Bayern bought him in 2014 because they felt that they needed that centre-forward to rely on for those games when perhaps their wing guys are not really working or there's not, lot, not a lot coming from midfield. You know, the centre-forward that can score out of nothing. And that, at the Champions League level, hasn't materialised. So I think as long as it doesn't happen, people will point the finger and say, you know, why doesn't he do it at this level? And Raf Beiner out of the semi-final stage for the fourth time in five years. Is there is there a feeling that this is about as good as it gets for Bayern? They've got an old squad. Robin's out of contract. Uh, Lewandowski, as we said, is probably off in the summer. But they've also got a really inexperienced manager coming in in the form of Kovac. Well, personally, I think there is a concern that uh, Niko Kovac might not be able to get the same level of performance out of this team as Heinkes did. Certainly, I think the second leg in Madrid was, was as good as Bayern we've seen considering the injuries that they had. Having said that, I think the idea that this is an old team who's completely over the hill, I think, is overplayed a little bit. Uh, you effectively only have two guys the wrong side of 30, and they're being phased out in uh, Robin and Ribéry. Uh, everyone else is still 29 or 30. So they're still at a very good age, and you could see that some of the younger guys had not really talked about at the beginning of the season. Sule, Toliso, um, they had really good games. Kimmich was once again uh, really quite phenomenal. Alaba is only 26 years old. So this is not a team that, you know, just had this last chance and they blew it. Yes, we'll see less of, uh, of Robin and Ribéry, if at all, if they renew their contract. Uh, Lewandowski's uh, future is, is in doubt. But there is still enough of a team to go to a similar level next year. My bigger doubt, personally, is about the manager. I mean, clearly, clearly Rafa's running scared, hence why he's not in the studio with us to discuss it himself. He's spoken about the, the keeper balls up then, and we've had loads of questions about just whether these is the poorest set of goalkeepers we've ever seen in semi-finals of the Champions League. I mean, we can deal with that one first before we get on to Real Madrid. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Kaelin Ebers, by the way, who's come under a lot of flack, yeah. is why Real Madrid are in that final. Yeah. You know, Amazing. he made eight saves on the night, two that one from Alaba in particular. Yeah. yeah. Big. And you know, this is a guy who basically every day has to, you know, pick up Martel, pick up Ass and basically see Real Madrid linked with David De Gea, Real Madrid linked with Gigi Donnarumma, Real Madrid linked with Kepa, all this sort of thing. The guy is in the final for what, the third year in a row. And yeah, he has his ups and downs, but he made a big contribution in that uh, in that second leg. I think it wasn't just the saves, it was how proactive he was in the second half, coming for balls and really commanding his area. There was that punch towards the end and then mm. he was anticipating where Bayern attackers are going to be and he was basically getting there, you know, 10 yards off his line, uh, stopping the attacks. And I thought he did, this was a remarkable example of really positive goalkeeping mm. uh, that you really need in that, that moment. However, I do think perhaps somewhere... Um, sort of deep inside psychologically the Ulreich era mm. gave him that bit of extra boost because I think that's what happens with keepers you see the opposition keeper make a terrible terrible mistake and you think alright nah. it, it gives you that little boost mm. you say terrible if, if we will dwell on that point just for a moment have you ever seen a worse mistake in a Champions League semi-final you have seen players stuck making one bad decision and they, you can just see it but the panic because that's what it was yeah. he, he just panicked didn't he completely the, the, panicked the pass from Toliso is bad in the yeah. first place and then he looked like he's caught in between kicking it long, catching it, and considering a you know an indirect free kick. I, I'm not really sure because the way he, he stumbled as well is just hilarious. And I think he treated it as something he could pick up. So back yeah, yeah, like, yeah, he looked, he looked like he looked yeah. like he was going to go and get it, and then maybe think, no, no, I can't get it, so yeah. I kick oh. it, but it's too late. I'm already half down, and then. Well, by the time it was past him, it was on his wrong foot, wasn't it? Yeah, and well, that's yeah, where yeah, he's yeah, like, oh, out of balance mm. completely. Yeah. Yeah, I just watched you all play FIFA and none of you were going to save that anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha is the only one with goalkeeping credibility. Actually, He's very good, by the way. I played yeah. with Sasha. He's very good. Really? Yes. Does he go down in instalments? Distant relations no, with Yashi really well. over there. And he shouts. He shouts a lot. He's commending. <laughs> it's, good. it's good. Ten euros that way. If we, <laughs> if we take a Liverpool revitalised, re-energised up against Real Madrid, who wins it? As, as great as Liverpool has been in the Champions League, for me, they've been the best team. And we saw that against City and we saw that against, against Roma in the semi-final. They've been the best team in the Champions League this season. They've been amazing. Real Madrid, this is, this is their home. This is what they do. This is what they're good at. You know, they never panic. They're not playing well against Bayern Munich home and away. They're not the best team. They go through. That's what they do. Against PSG at home, they're on the back foot again in that first leg. They, they see the game out. You know, that's, that's the experience they have, the players they have. And I think more than 
having a Salah more than having all that intensity that Liverpool have. I would rather have the experience they have. I'm not saying Liverpool are not going to win and they're very capable of winning it. But Real have that extra <clears throat> thing that no one else has and right that, now. That's kind of how Jurgen Klopp framed his press conference afterwards, didn't he? He said, they've been there, done that. Well, the thing is, I think you could sort of counter-argument is this is what Liverpool do as well. They're really prosper in the European Cup. No matter you know what the state is at home, if they go on this run, they, it's like this, this psychological impact. However, having seen Liverpool's struggles with the wider players yesterday and having seen what Marcelo can do, I think Marcelo-Salah matchup would be very, very interesting. And the way I think a Real attack through the flanks against Bayern, I think Liverpool will have trouble with that. However, on the other hand, I think Liverpool looking at that back line I think they can exploit the errors. I mean, I'm not sure whether they'll concentrate more against Liverpool, but certainly against Bayern you could, and against PSG, I did, didn't strike me that that, that backline defence as a unit. They concede. They concede a lot of chances. You know, we saw that in a lot of games this season, even in the league as well. You know, they've, I think 10 times in the league, they've conceded more than two goals at home, at least two or more, mm. at the Bernabeu. And when you think that Ronaldo didn't do well in the semi-final and they still go through without him being good... I just think it's it's going to be a hell of a task for Liverpool to do it. Last team to beat Real Madrid in a European Cup final? That would be Liverpool 81, yeah, 81 in Paris. Mm. Oh, that's the Champions League. More European chat later. Indeed, more European chat. Clearly, clearly in the build-up to that final. But when we come back, it's time to talk Premier League. You're listening to the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power, the home of the Money Back Special. Keep listening to the end of the podcast to find out more. Jules, you're off to the Arsenal, aren't you? On Sunday. What they asked, I don't really know what to what to expect. I think what's weird is that it's not his last game, but it will very much feel like it's his last game. It's his last home game. He's got the Europa League final, right? He's got that <laughs> and the Huddersfield. Well played, James. I still think I still think they're gonna go through tonight. They're gonna win one 0 in Madrid and qualify for 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 the Europa League final. But That's yeah, that preview done of tonight. Well done. That's yes, fine. yes, it's done. You know, on but, to Arsenal, um, Burnley. I think Sunday is gonna be. A lot of people will have mixed feelings. I think Arsene will have mixed feelings because he didn't want to go. He is going. I think it's going to be really hard for him to say goodbye to that stadium for the last time. And to those fans, I think, you know, a lot of them who've been very good to him for most of the years. Yeah, I just don't know really what to expect. It's going to be amazing, I think. It's a sad day and for a lot of people it would be a happy day as well because a lot of them wanted him to go. It's just, yeah... I hope they have something planned. I hope there's some kind of big choreography. 3-0 win for Burnley, is. isn't it? There well, is. yeah, but... <laughs> there is. There would be a lot. It would be a special day with a lot of, you know... But I hope the fans put something on as well. You know, I mean, we see whenever these um, legends of the game move on, um, whether it's into retirement or they're forced out, um, you know, fans put on a huge choreography or something and do something special as a kind of mark of respect. What would you like? An interpretive I would arts? like them to raise some kind of big 3D kind of Wenger sort of... Um, sort of Choreography Tifo. Yeah, of him like pointing into the distance Rose or something like glasses. that. Rose-tinted glasses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. Um, certainly more than, I don't know, some kind of... I really don't like it when clubs basically, you know, hand out I'm not going to say plastic flags or stuff mm. like that. The, yeah, it's a club initiative. I'd like to see the fans do something, you know, rather than Wenger out. If they can put all of their effort, you know, that was the, that's a lot of the effort into those Wenger out banners, they can make a sort of nice choreography for Wenger. And know? he deserves it. He deserves it. And Jim always laughs at me when I said that he would deserve to go out by winning the Europa League in France as well with Arsenal, him who's never won any European trophy. That would be the perfect farewell. And he loves and says, you know, you don't deserve anything in football, blah, blah. I know. And they probably won't, won't qualify tonight against Atletico Madrid. But yeah, I think he deserves a very, very special farewell and sending off. We, we touched on it on Monday. The news was just coming through about Bivac. had left Liverpool for personal reasons, albeit just for the, for the time being. And then, of course, he's made number one by the bookies to take the Arsenal job. In between your flights, Sash, were there raised eyebrows at that? Uh, I think it's caught everyone by a massive surprise. As you could see, initial stories had a certain spin on it. Then it was clarified. Then I think club put some spin in. So... From the outside, it looks to me it could plausibly be a gardening leave, what is happening right now. But in all honesty, I don't think um, anyone is really privy to key information on this. I think from Arsenal's point of view, it would be a really interesting move. Uh, but Bubac's first job straight into Arsenal replacing Wenger, I mean, I don't know. I think The thing is, Bubac isn't doesn't really seem to be a particularly public figure, so it's hard to read into 
you know, whether he has the capabilities to do so. I mean, he was with club for such a long time. Presumably, you know, they all learned from each other. Uh, but if he were to become an Arsenal manager, I think it would be very, very interesting. It certainly would be an unexpected choice. Introvert, extrovert role, which clearly they've both played together. But Arsenal taking number twos, as it were, before James Sammy Lee. I beg your pardon. That's hey. a turn of phrase. <laughs> <laughs> you big kid, but I love you. Uh, Sammy Lee, Paul Clement, Craig Shakespeare, Brian Kidd, Steve Keane. Look, uh, <laughs> exactly. exactly. I would also look at this as like what was Arsenal's last appointment came completely out of the blue. Um, and, you know, this would uh, be in keeping with that in, in some respects. He is a bit of an unknown. Yeah. This is someone who has worked in the past with Dortmund, people calling it the shots um, at uh, Arsenal, used to work at Dortmund as well. Um, and, you know, there are various players on that team who were there. Um, so, in some respects, you can join the dots. But as, as Sasha said, I think, that, you know, I don't think anyone really is privy to um, sort of exactly what's going on. This is just speculation. Um, but, it, you know, it wouldn't strike me um, as a complete surprise um, when you look at some of the other people that were on the shortlist that was briefed to the media, other number twos or assistants like Mikel Arteta, for example. Although, mm. of course, you can point to Arteta's past with Arsenal. Um, it would be really interesting. You know, and I think you know this is that's it would be a creative appointment and sort of a left field appointment, um, but one which would um, well, it would get you'd capture the imagination a bit. Yeah, and maybe he's not a number two in the in the the truest sense. I'm backing him just because he's got long brown hair, and yeah, that's uh, anyone who joins me in that kind of brotherhood, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this sister is with you in your brotherhood. Yeah, I'm right there. Uh, that's Arsenal, Burnley, then Chelsea, Liverpool. Sasha, is this one you're going to? Yeah, I'm going to that on a Sunday. Um, having seen Liverpool's performance yesterday, I'm sort of in two minds as I think how Liverpool should go about this because. I mean, they could go all out uh, and just completely collapse of tiredness in the second half. Or, but maybe it is worth trying to get that draw because then you have three weeks to prepare your team for the for, for the uh, uh, for the European Cup final. Not quite sure how he's, he's going to play it. I think he's going to have to assess the players once they get back. Um, but Liverpool are looking tired. Chelsea, on on the flip side of that, Jules, though, have just started to pick up that that bit of momentum. Yeah, I think they can feel that. Spurs, especially before the Watford game and, and Liverpool were getting tired and uh, there was maybe an opportunity to try to catch one of them to, to, to get into that top four and you know, they've got a game in hand on Liverpool. Suddenly that Chelsea-Liverpool game on Sunday looks huge because if Chelsea win it, it's, they're, almost, they're almost back there in that race and, and then Liverpool with their focus completely on the Champions League final will, like Sasha said, will be really into, you know, between two minds and you just don't know how that season will end domestically. So be very interesting. And I, for, for neutrals, I really hope Chelsea win because that will make that end of the season interesting. For my friend Sash and all Liverpool fans, obviously a draw will probably be the perfect result. I mean, Chelsea have got uh, Huddersfield and Newcastle after yeah. this game. So eminently winnable games. And Liverpool have Brighton last game of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially winnable as well. Yeah. So. And uh, Chelsea on a good run at the moment. Um, it's almost like Conte's realised that uh, some of the uh, jobs that he hoped would be open are no longer open. So he's maybe endearing himself. Chelsea boy. I'm really joking. But um, yeah, they're certainly putting themselves back in the conversation for this. Um, they've got something to play for. They certainly haven't looked like what some people were saying that they'd um, they'd even given up or they weren't playing for Conte. I think you know we've really seen um, since that reaction against Southampton to being two 0 down. Um, they believe so. It might make this end of the season a little bit more interesting around the top when. I think a lot of our attention is down the bottom instead. They have an FA Cup final to play for as well, mm -hmm. you know. And Second in a row. It's it's an interesting end of the season suddenly when we didn't really expect it or see, see it coming. And they are buoyed by the FA Youth Cup final they've just just won as well. How many that? is that? Five. Yeah. They look good. I have to say, some of those kids. I mean, again. I don't know how many will end up playing for that first team. Well, they're, maybe. they're at the right club for progression, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and you see, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, for example, ha having to go somewhere else. Although I don't, again, I'm not the biggest fan. But yeah, some of those kids look pretty special. Yeah, I, I, and, and I joked, my tongue was firmly in my cheek there. But they do have that potential coming through. That who knows? Who knows how things might? You just need change. one or two. You don't need the whole. Yeah, exactly. Setup. Loan a few, sell a few, keep a few. It's very yeah. much like our. Sticker swapping yes, exactly. exercise earlier. Exactly. Uh, so they can go within two points of Spurs then 
with that win. Spurs at West Brom. West Brom still very much fighting for it, although everyone else thinks they're not. But yeah, as a team, he's certainly gone as a caretaker, Darren Moore, and given them something. Yeah, and um, even though Spurs have got a tremendous record at the Hawthorns and, uh, and Kane always scores uh, when he goes there, I think they'll be maybe a little bit wary um, of this record that um, West Brom have had under, under Darren Moore. And um, yeah, I think to some extent, yeah, everyone does believe that they're going down. But yeah, I think some of the maybe will be either playing for their future at that club. Um, yeah, say if there there aren't relegation clauses which lead to a slash in their uh, into their pay, and I think they'd be playing for Darren Moore for him to keep this job as well, because um, you know it's clear that they weren't too happy with um, the last managerial appointment um, at that club. So I don't think they would like it to change. So where do you all stand? And I don't mean over him wagging a finger, but where, where do you all stand on this this story this week about England's medical team saying about Harry Kane and whether Spurs have rushed him back and whether that's maybe put his fitness in doubt for the World Cup? You see that. I have to say he he hasn't looked fit for a long for like since coming back. Um, I think the the biggest one was against City, where in the FA Cup, where he looked like even in his movement there was something wrong about it, and and you do wonder because he's such an important player for them. If at some point they said, okay, you're only seventy percent fit, but we need you so badly that you know you have to come back and and you you catch up with that thirty percent fitness that you're missing now, you'll get it with, you know, match fitness, etc., etc. It doesn't always work like this. And it looked like, even against Watford, I thought at times, only in front of the television, but it looked like the movement again and his first touches and stuff like that were not the usual, natural hurricane way to do it. So yeah, maybe he's still not completely fit and maybe it is a bit of a worry for England, although there's still plenty of time, you know, before before the World Cup starts. I think the Spurs' argument would be, would be he's our player. It's not that we do what we want, but we need him to make sure we're in top four next season. He's our player, and also I'm pretty sure that Kane would have wanted to be back this quickly as well because we've kind of seen how much the European golden boot means to him. And also, there is a case of playing yourself back into fitness. Yeah, at the moment, um, you know, he doesn't look um, fully fit. He got back on the score sheet against Watford, but you could still tell his movement was, wasn't what it has been in the past. Um, so I think the player, the competitor that he is, would have liked to have been back as well. So I don't think this is just on Spurs. But on the other hand, coming in against West Brom, that's going to be bruising, literally, for him. Mm. <laughs> so um, I think they, they have a battle on their hands there. Seven what? and six against them. Thank you all for doing my World Cup notes. That's the only reason I asked. Pleasure. Uh, let's whip through some of the others then. Brighton, Manchester United. There's a couple of players, for, and, and clearly it's the same with any of these teams at this stage of the season where you're going, he's not going to be there next season, is he? Uh, there's, there's a couple in particular for, for Manchester United. This third time, uh, their third meeting, both at Old Trafford, Manchester United have won in the league and in the FA Cup. For Brighton, are they, they're still down as in down the bottom of that, that table, I kind of expected them to have lifted themselves a bit higher come this stage. Their running is very difficult. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, they'd got themselves just about um, safe before they entered into this gauntlet, if you like, against a lot of the big six. Um, look, United have got a terrible record this season <laughs> going away to promoted sides. They've lost to Huddersfield, they've lost yeah. to Newcastle. That trend's clearly going to continue here. Brighton will be safe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, United are virtually guaranteed second. So, you know, would they completely go gung for, gung ho for it, or would they just, would Mourinho just be happy for a point? Is that the same you're going to say about Manchester City and Liverpool, who, who Brighton have got after that? Then, uh, well, again, it very much depends on what happens this weekend. How Liverpool go about it, because if Liverpool do get their point, it's going to be reserves against Brighton. Yeah, I think it's kind of quite tricky for Mourinho in some respects to motivate uh, the players going to this, because on the one hand, the players will be thinking, don't want to pick up an injury before an FA Cup final, before World Cup. Mm. And they are second with a what a five-point gap on, on Liverpool. You know, getting them up for this game, I think, um, yeah, you could completely imagine Brighton being sort of more more motivated with, with more on the line for them, a little bit more on the line for them, if you like. Jules, one of those players that, that perhaps they're having a sniff around at the moment, Chelsea and talk of Anthony Martial, whether he's, he's heading that way? Yeah, he's not. He's not happy at United, obviously, the season he's had. He, he, he was a super sub in the first part of the season which I don't think he, I think he was happy with uh, but since Alexis Sanchez has arrived there's there's um, I think he yeah he, he he lost patience in many ways between him and Mourinho he really thought when Mourinho arrived that he after that 
wonderful first season he's mm. had, um, that you know he would he would be able to build on it and you know and become, I think the player that he has the potential to become because he's a wonderful wonderful young player. He hasn't really worked out between him and Mourinho for a lot of reasons that it would be too long now to um, to go into, but. He sees his future very much away from from United, which I think is a shame. Uh, and I think a lot of clubs, from Liverpool to Chelsea to Arsenal to Spurs, who Spurs, by the way, were very close of signing him before mm. he made the move to United um, on the same same summer, would be very happy to have him. Whether that's a loan with a you know with a fee to buy him then later. And I think in Spain and Italy and even back home in France, there's there's more clubs who want him because again, I think he's a wonderful talent. That you just have to put in the right environment. You know, he's a he has a special personality. If you want, where he's not Paul Pogba or he's not the most extrovert. If you if you understand him and if you care and if you give him a bit of your time, I think he can do great things for you. Mourinho didn't have much time for him. I think you could see it almost straight away. It's when they tried to accommodate Sanchez uh, when they went to Wembley to play Spurs and they shifted Martial out and immediately he was like, well, I think his head probably went down just at that moment in that mm. game. Uh, someone's just whispered in my ear when I say someone the great Ben Green who we heard interviewing mm-hmm. Rafa Honigstein earlier so key questions coming from him someone say SMS to James and I've just clicked what he means by SMS <laughs> hopefully you have too it's Sergei Milinkovic Savic no um, yeah I got that message um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look I mean he is uh, the closest thing that uh, City has had to Pogba since Pogba left they're playing the same position um, so, you know, I think unless Pogba was going anywhere, um, United uh, wouldn't be in the market for him um, just because, you know, you're essentially asking someone to do the same job as Pogba in mm. the same area of the pitch where Pogba wants to play and has been asking to play in the same system, three in midfield, mm. that Pogba has wanted all this time. So, yeah, he's a guy who is uh, generating a hell of a lot of interest from the top top clubs in Europe at the moment. but. I think from United's point of view, um, you know, they'd be asking him to play in a position um, that uh, isn't his own. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I, would, I could only see that happening. I mean, um, it's not unheard of for Mourinho to do No, that. of course not. No. But, uh, yeah, I think Mourinho's priority right now, he's made it very clear. It's getting Ed Woodward to make, to give that the piece of paperwork in front of Marouane Fellaini to say, sign Fellaini, sign, you're my boy. We don't need any of these people like Sergei Milinkovic-Savage. Marouane, I love you. You know, so there you go. <laughs> if, I mean, if that doesn't do it, nothing will. <laughs> Manchester City, I mentioned them of the maybe foot off the gas. They wouldn't do that, would they? Up against Huddersfield, desperate. And here's all of us at the start of the season saying Huddersfield, you know, what a remarkable... And it was a remarkable start mm. to the season. But for them now, looking in real, real danger, James. They've still overperformed um, to be where they are. 16th, I think a lot of people would have had them down as being where West Brom are um, at the moment. You know, this is a side which what had the sixth lowest revenue in the championship last year. Um, yeah, I think Wagner has done a remarkable job. Um, he was linked to Arsenal last week, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah you know. I think, again, people making mislintat connections. But, um, yeah, he deserves to be in this conversation, without doubt. If you're going to have a B list of, of up-and-coming managers who've you know, punched, helped teams punch above their weight, really overachieve, you know, he has got to be um, on, on, uh, on that list in that, in that respect. The problem is, is that City are just... They're not uh, step, taking their foot off the gas at any... You know, they can break the points record. They can break the, uh, the goals record. Um, you know, I think they really want to ensure this team has a legacy for this season after not winning the Champions League. And I think that legacy is to be found in, in shattering all these records. And I also think Huddersfield throughout the season have shown that I think they dismissed some games as unwinnable. Mm. So I think it could be the score this weekend could be ridiculous. Listeners, it's a bank holiday weekend and that means you can enjoy some huge Premier League clashes like Liverpool's trip to Chelsea and the Tony Pulis Memorial Derby as Stoke take on Palace and also indulge in a bit of DIY. Toolstation provides 15,000 trade quality products to electricians, plumbers, painters and decorators. You know, people who do that sort of thing for a living. But they're also open seven days a week to DIYers like you and me. Toolstation constantly check prices so you can be sure of the best value every time you buy. There's free delivery on orders over £10 and you can click and collect from just 10 minutes and pick up your goods from over 300 branches nationwide. So when it comes to saving time and money, Toolstation's hard to beat. See for yourself at toolstation.com. 
A reminder, if you needed it, that we've teamed up with Football Manager to offer you the chance to win a Nintendo Switch and a copy of Football Manager Touch 2018 to play it on. Head over to the Totally Football Show Facebook page, that's facebook.com slash the Totally Football Show, to find out how to enter. Our Facebook page is also the only place you can play the now legendary Totally Football Quiz every Friday, 12.30. A 2015-16 to DC United away shirt is up for grabs, as well as Scott Murray's excellent, if unimaginatively titled book, The Title, all about the history of the First Division, and lots of FIFA World Cup 18 stickers from Panini, assuming, uh, Jules, you don't take them all after the show. That's facebook.com slash the Totally Football Show. Back to the football then, and the relegation. Uh, this could go anywhere, down to the wire, cliche, cliche, etc, etc. Everton, Southampton, though, 530 this one's Sasha. Um, it's it's one of those where you look at uh, Southampton and think, looks like something maybe with their tails is slightly up, but you look at them going to Everton. <laughs> Am I trying to get some Sasha's hope where there is none? Sasha's not going by the tail story. <laughs> yeah, they've won a game. Woohoo. Uh, <laughs> I'm just yeah, I'm just not convinced that something fundamentally is shifting at Southampton. I know they're saying, well, they're running a bit harder. They manage to explain things to them a little bit better. Well, what are you going to say after you've just won a game? Um, so Sasha says they're going down, Jules? I'm, I'm not necessarily saying they're going down, but I don't really think they're going to get anything at Everton. Um, Everton, where Sam Allardyce is now, is now on a um, four-game undefeated run. Obviously, his tail's up. Yeah, he's a manager of the month candidate as well. Manager of the month, which is ridiculous. Why? Oh, don't get me started on <laughs> no, Go on, why? Because he's been dreadful all season. This is not, he's not an Everton manager. I, yeah, but the last month, Jules, that's what I, can't, I don't care. That's what we're I looking at. Care. It's in the title. Yeah. I don't care. I just, he cannot be there next season. It's impossible. Looks like it will be for the time being. Uh, Saints then with that first win, as Sasha so rightly pointed out, to say why they're going to do so well and stay up. I think Huddersfield will go down with Stoke and West Brom and Southampton somehow will stay up. So with Swansea. And I think the Swansea-Southampton game next week, mm. one of the game in hands, many game in hands, it's going to be huge. But I still believe that both of them will, will stay up. And Huddersfield with that horrendous run between now and the end of the season, those three games. Unfortunately for the amazing Wagner story and the fairy tale story of them being in the top flight, it's going to end. So it's not going to come maybe at Everton this weekend for you, James? Well, I kind of disagree with Sasha a little bit. I think uh, Southampton are trending upwards, not only because they've got a win, but we've seen in those Chelsea and Arsenal games, they actually played well, didn't get anything out of them. You know, this is a side that has struggled for goals all season, or if you want to go even further back to last season as well, under Puel. Hughes does seem to be getting them to create a bit more chances, um, shoot more, um, just look a little bit more of a threat. Uh, and give the impression that they are alive. And, um, you know, that Tuesday game against Swansea is going to be huge. Mm. Their problem is that they've been really poor on the road all season. Their only wins, um, I think they've only done it twice, um, and they've come against the side that has been bottom at the table um, in that side. So given that Everton at eighth, I'm, I'm not so sure they can get a result um, this time around. I think they'll be looking to that Swansea game um, in midweek. Um, I'm fascinated by this prospect of, uh, of, of Sam Allardyce on the final day um, taking uh, West Ham and Everton's former manager, David Moyes, down. Um, that would be just... I, the, the, Sam would look like the cat who's got the cream for that to happen. So I don't know if West Ham are out of this yet. You know, they, I mean, they, they were so terrible against Man City and Man City make a lot of teams look terrible. But um, West Ham make a lot of teams look like Man City. Um, so, you know, I think um, I'm concerned for them. Given that two of their three games at the London Stadium, the fortress that is the London Stadium, you know. Only because it's difficult to get into. Yes, you're right. Uh, West Ham at, at Leicester this weekend. And, and this bust-up, suppose bust-up between David Moyes and Andy Carroll in, in training? Yeah, I mean... You want them to be fighting for something, but... Yeah, true, true. <laughs> Clearly unhappy that he's not playing more, with Arnatovic now playing in that... Um, sort of lone striker role if you want but Chicharito could be the same Chicharito could also have a fight with Moyes because he, you know, he's not playing much more either so it's what happens you know if when there's competition and, and I think Andy Carroll I mean that's where the manager spins it yeah. in, into it's healthy because I want but my it is, to be it is. I don't know why I don't know what what's Andy Carroll's beef either Alantovic has done really well in that position okay West Ham is still a bit struggling but um, you know, managers make choices, and obviously the players who are not playing are not happy. The ones who are playing are happy, and it's just like that. But that's not bec that's not the reason for having a fight. Otherwise, we'll have fight everywhere in every club at every level. 
I think also Karel has to has to realize he cannot be relied upon uh, for a long run in the team. Whereas I don't know, has been doing it all season, so I don't really see what the argument is there. I'm to be honest, like I'm more interested at the, with the situation at Leicester City because yet another season, yet uh, again, I think it seems to be certain players have more power than the manager and the power to bring him down. And well, what is that on lack of personality communication or being simply outmaneuvered by players who are not particularly happy with what he decides to do with them. Um, I, I personally do not think it's a healthy situation where players are stronger than the manager. Um, and I, I think also going forward, this makes Leicester City potentially unattractive for any future managers because they're going to be up against the dressing room as soon as something slightly goes wrong or, you know, they have to like tiptoe around certain players. Okay, maybe somewhere like Real Madrid, yes, but somewhere like Leicester City, I don't think this should be happening. But the thing is, it puts the owners in a difficult situation because there are guys in that dressing room who won the league for them, you know, who are the, the, who are legends of not only the club but of the Premier League for doing that. And so, you know, in order to get this problem solved, it's almost like you have to tackle this one and basically get rid of those guys. Which, Which is, mm, it's yeah. tough. Mm. I love how the, the last 10, 15 minutes conversation about manager of the month, Sam Allardyce at Everton and then about Leicester. And if you didn't know the table, you wouldn't think that Everton are eighth at the moment and Leicester are ninth, which is, <laughs> it's crazy, right? No, but these are, these, are, these are fan bases which are unhappy with their manager. Everton um, are not particularly pleased with Allardyce. Same goes for Puel and Leicester. I think the fans have not, the, the, the football doesn't necessarily appeal. And then Absolutely. Moyes at West Ham, you know, those are, which, which is also, I think with Leicester City, it, it's interesting as well because Daesh wanted that job mm. and he didn't get it. Daesh who's had a pub named after him. Yeah, uh, I saw this, that this week. That's fantastic. Well, the Daesh. The yeah. Daesh. That's <laughs> Not much bitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's poor. A few games I want to get through, not least just for Aiming for Your Ed, which is one of the, the greatest names on Twitter who asked, will Stoke Palace set a world record for the most fouls in a game this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Just that, sorry, but it's just the one game I don't really want to watch this weekend. I think Stoke are not really anyone's cup of tea. Full stop. At the Totally Show for your comments, Bournemouth <laughs> Swansea. Well, this Southampton revival came against the Bournemouth side that um, you know is safe. I mean, uh, I feel like we all need a revival right now, having gone into <laughs> these last. <laughs> They've lost their last three in a row, Bournemouth. So you know, Swansea have got to look at this dreadful though their record is on the road um, as an opportunity to. To again, um, you know, maybe really pile the pressure on. If we're if we're not expecting Southampton to get anything against Everton, this is a chance for them to get breathing room going into that huge game on Tuesday night. So, but you yeah. could see what nerves could do. That nervy ending that Southampton had against Bournemouth, Bournemouth nothing to play for, but mm. Southampton so much to play for. And I think the last five minutes against Bournemouth, their heads nearly exploded. So, will Swansea, despite the fact that they're similar on the forms, would they have a similar problem with perhaps worse consequences? Yeah. I haven't heard Carlos Carvajal come out with a great one-liner in the month. He needs to screw up a tenner or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and that, that's probably it. He is such one of those characters that if you're listening to him, if you're in a press conference with him and you're talking to him, you, you, you want to talk to him and you want to engage mm. with him and you kind of feel he must give that to his players but just hasn't really been there of late. Yeah, doesn't doesn't feel like it. Um, I don't know what he has to put on the barbecue or you know this sort of thing. <laughs> but maybe there's just the stress. The pressure is getting yeah. to the, to him at the beginning because everything was going so well and he could come out with those, you know, um, word sentences, expressions, whatever you want to call them. And now that is tense, and now they're not doing so well, and they're not winning even at home. They're not even playing that well. The goals are struggling to come. Suddenly he feels the pressure, and you could see him on the bench. You know, he mm. gets far more animated than he used to. And I think that also transmits to the players. It's all good to be fun and, you know, everything is great. But then when you feel the pressure, they feel it as well. And, and it's, a, it's a tough situation. Talking of tough situations, we've now got half an hour to talk about Watford Newcastle. Oh. Yeah, I'll just pick that one up, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> See, I love that one. I think it's, it's a key one for the football purist, Sasha. Uh, I think it's a key one for Mike Ashley, maybe getting an extra place. Mike Ashley's played a blinder there, hasn't he? Invested no money, got a good manager, they're staying up, he's staved off a stavely bid that was laughable, and he, if he does sell the club, he's going to get lots of money for it. Welcome to 2016, 2015, 2014, mm. uh, just insert that in every but one I of think those. In, but I think in this situation, he has Benitez, who has made Newcastle United look way better than they actually mm. should be. Listeners, starting up the Totally Football Show was a hairy business. Fortunately, Cornerstone have been with us every step of the way. Why? Because they're in the business of making hairy things smooth, like your face. 
Cornerstone's award-winning blades will give you the smoothest shave possible. And their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see the range for yourself, get £10 off your first order and have it delivered right to your door. And you'll find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. Shall we talk Europe? Yes, let's. Yes. James Horncastle, do you want to go first? Italy. Oh, there's, there's no title there's no race anymore. Why are we talking about Italy? What? For weeks. Race he was, fourth, race because he's giving me the royal wave. At least for I think weeks, that's what he's doing. For weeks, he was, he was the priority. I give him that because yeah. there was something there and like other big leagues. But now he's gone. Now I, he's I need like, to save time. He made a so lot I'm of going money. To James first. He made a lot of money just on like, yeah, yeah, the title race is still on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to write about it, talk about it. And now he's gone. Uh, James. Oh. Hey, look, there's still loads going on in Serie A because everything is still to play for. The thing is, the reason why the title race has been so fantastic is because when one team, it looks like they're certain to win, they drop points. And the team that looks like they're going to lose or drop points, they win. So, you know, I mean, I know Juventus have got Bologna and Verona in uh, either side of that big game against uh, Roma at the Olympico. But, you know, is it really over? <laughs> oh my God. All the season there we go again. Is it over? I don't think All so. attention this week is on the Classico now because the, the, great, the great thing is is that um, what would eclipse everything that Barcelona are doing is if Real Madrid win the Champions League. But also what Barcelona is still kind of competing for. They've won the title, they've won the Copa del Rey, but they can become the first team to go undefeated and become an invincible um, in La Liga. Real Madrid this weekend... What would the Madrid like to do? Stop that from happening. Should be good. And, you know, I don't think it's unlikely because uh, Barcelona are quite an emotional, sort of neurotic club and they're going to be going into this scared <laughs> that they're going to lose and they might well do. Not happy that Madrid are not going to give them the guard of honour. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Madrid saying that well, when we won the, the World, um, club cup. World Club Cup, you didn't do it. <laughs> we play you after. You didn't do it at the Bernabeu. We're certainly not going to do it then at the camp Fair. now. Fair enough. That's uh, Italy done, Spain done, or almost. You see, um, Eleven Sports taking the rights from Sky for La Liga, yeah, uh, which is interesting because they're involved in Leeds as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. How, how long has Sky had Spanish yeah, football? Twenty five years. But they almost lost it three years ago. Two years ago to BT. Yeah. In, in again because their offer was not good enough, and and I think they've done a lot for Spanish football in this country and done a great job, but. Yeah, clearly the, it was not their priority anymore. I was just using all of this so that we didn't talk about France, but uh, do you want two jewels? Yeah, why not? I mean, what can I say? Oh, Neymar, the um, telenovedad, you know, the, the soap opera. opera, the EastEnders of French football, of PSG. Neymar is back in Paris tomorrow. He's flying out tonight from Rio de Janeiro on the Air France 443 flight. No whoa, private whoa, jet. Whoa. How do you know this? I know everything. He'd be oh, sat sorry. in business class <laughs> for the 11 hour flight from Rio to Paris. And it's big because obviously of the, you know, the agro that all his injury brought to, you know, to PSG and, and French football in general, that he went back to Brazil, that he was not there when PSG won the league against Monaco a couple of weeks ago. He will be there when they play the last home game and, you know, celebrate the, the title. But it's been a fascinating season on and off the field for Neymar in Paris. And I don't think we'll see him play again for PSG uh, because he wants to be ready for the World Cup and he's not going to rush anything. But he's walking now without crutches after that metatarsal um, break. And uh, he will be there on Tuesday for the FA Cup, for the French Cup final, sorry, which is an incredible matchup between PSG and Les Herbiers, which is a team in the third division. This, this Cup final is it's huge in France. I think a lot of people are drawn into it. A lot of people will be supporting the Minos. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm even looking forward to it. Although PSG should win, hopefully. And Les Herbiers, have they ever done anything historically at all? No, they had a good cup run last year as well. Um, it's one of those lower league teams that benefit a lot from French academies being so good because they end up releasing a lot of players. And then those players bounce back in lower league teams, third division, fourth division, fifth division sometimes, and make those leagues and those teams very good suddenly because they're almost League 1 players or League 2 players just mm. didn't make it for some reasons the cup is is what they, they're good at and Les Herbiers captain for example Flochon is Samuel Umtiti's best friend they grew up together in Lyon they were together at the Lyon Academy Umtiti made it Flochon was 
just below par, couldn't make it and ended up bouncing bouncing back with Les Herbiers that he would lead at the start of France against PSG in the cup final. France done, Spain done, Italy, you know, slightly underwhelmed, but we can try. What, what else would you like to oh, say? Well, okay. What else would you like to say? Look, down at the, uh, down at the bottom, oh only Benevento have gone, so the, uh, there's everything to play uh, for. <laughs> Champions League places are still up for grabs, Europa League places are still up for grabs. Uh, down oh at the bottom, there's God. only Benevento gone, as I said. So, you know, it is still the most, you know, there's, there's loads going on there, you know. I mean, I don't know about you, but the only thing missing from Italian football at the moment is Sam Allardyce, right? Sam Aladici. <laughs> Time to get the odds from Paddy Power with producer Ben. Thank you, Caroline. I'm here with Lee Price from Paddy Power. Lee, we've got to talk about the Champions League. It's going to be Liverpool versus Real Madrid in Kiev uh, in three and a bit weeks' time. Who are you making the favourites for this? Well, we thought Real Madrid looked shaky on Tuesday night, but Liverpool highlighted a few flaws of their own last night. Um, so perhaps with that in mind, our traders favour Madrid. They're odds-on to win the Big Ear Trophy at 8-11. Liverpool, though, are 11-10 to 10 to make our faces redder than James Milner's. Ouch. Liverpool are taking on Chelsea this weekend. Uh, they're inevitably going to shuffle the pack a lot. This may be the time when Dominic Solanke scores against his old team. Um, I fear that Chelsea are going to beat Liverpool, however. What do you make of that? Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I was conscious there might sound like there's some sort of anti-Liverpool conspiracy here because we do make them second favourites of this game as well. Uh, Chelsea, who really have nothing to play for, are inexplicably the favourites. They're 11 to 10. Liverpool, 21 to 10, with the draw 23 to 10. Uh, but it's really a match of no significance. Perhaps Klopp could give Conte a leading present to pretend it's an important game. Well, you say there's no significance in this game, Lee, but <laughs> there's a money back special. Ooh, yeah, thanks to Paddy Power, this game just quite interesting. Um, there's a money back as a free bet if Chelsea win, and that applies to losing first, last, anytime goal scorer, correct score, and what odds Paddy markets, max refund £10. Well, let's talk about some games where the stakes are slightly higher. What about that battle for seventh? Uh, Burnley to beat Arsenal. Uh, yeah, you can see it. We make it quite a chunky 5-1, to one, which is strange given Arsenal's Europa League exploits in the week something Sean Dyche and co will know all about next season. Uh, Arsenal, odds-on to win this one. I couldn't wonder why. Perhaps it's a certain manager's last game at home. I don't know. Uh, what about their new manager? What's going on there? Well, this is chaos. Uh, the departed Liverpool assistant manager, who I describe as that because I can't say his name, Bubac, uh, he's emerged as the latest favourite. Uh, he's gone from 201 to 13-5 to five this week. Uh, Arsenal clearly having a finky about the brains. And finally, Lee, at the bottom, uh, I'm feeling good and I want to put on another treble, please, on West Brom, Stoke and Southampton all to win. Oh, um, so this, the odds you get for this is 45 to 1 and I do admire your ambition. I can see Stoke beating Palace because they're now safe. That's definitely possible. Southampton to win at Everton and confirm Big Sam's exit. Yeah, OK. West Brom at home to Spurs. They're quite a long 13-2 to two to win there, and that might be your issue. So if you do fancy the treble of the bottom teams, it's 45-1, to one, but you might be safer removing one of those legs. <coughs> West Brom. You can find out more on these odds and plenty more besides at paddypower.com. 18 plus only, begamblerware.org, and when the fun stops, stop. Talking of stopping, that's it from us this week, apart from a few last listener questions Brian says what has happened to the art of defending it seems like no top teams can defend anymore good well done everyone <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean Brian come on we see a lot of goals we see a lot of intensity in matches we see a lot of you know, end-to-end stuff which is which is which is very good but I can guarantee you the the Champions League final might be a bit more tactical might be a bit more cautious than what we've seen I think so far in the Champions League even even on Liverpool's behalf they can't go all blazing out and get caught early, for example, on the on some ways by Real Madrid. So, you know, maybe that game is going to be... So Jules say, says, pile on 1-0. 1-0 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Liverpool. Yeah, uh, it'd be like 2003. That's right, yeah. 0-0, oh, no, no, penalties. Let's not have that ever yeah. again. But you can't. It's two bloody Italian teams in that <laughs> final. Oh, That's why. Awful, awful game. See, here's me thinking you had nothing to say about the art of defending. And uh, a couple asking this variance on, the, on this question. Who do Liverpool need to win the Premier League? Not who do they need to win it, as in anyone but Liverpool, but who do they need to bring in to strengthen to win the Premier League next season? Naby Keita. If he can sort out his discipline issues, it's going to be amazing for Liverpool. I awesome. think I think Keita this season at Leipzig, he's just he seems to play like a player who doesn't really care very much. Sure. Yeah, I get sent off, I create some goals, whatever. Four times. Four times, yeah. Sent off, not the goals. But they're losing Chan. 
Yeah. Um, Oxlade Chamberlain's out in the summer, so they need more depth. They've got more depth in midfield, but they generally need depth everywhere. But because you could see this last night, they, yeah. I mean, Klopp couldn't really make any positive substitutions because the few extra players that he had mm. are injured. Um, and this was, I think, it's slightly deeper score than it was last season, but it's still nowhere near enough. I think potentially he needs another, I don't know, four or five players need to send it back. Another midfielder, I think, Kater coming in is great. But he also, for me, uh, one of the important uh, things about the loss of Coutinho in the winter is the fact that. It's only three going into the front three now, whereas before it was four going into three. They need an extra player in there who can take a bit of the burden off the other guys. Mark and others saying Karras easily the worst goalkeeper in the top oh. ten. That's being generous, says Mark. The keeper with the bottom team is twice as good. Liverpool certainly have the worst defensive pairing too, he says, in the top six. So thank goodness they're all good up front. The worst defensive pairing in the top six? It's not me. I'm only bringing you Von the Van Dijk is making Lovren look a better player than Lovren is, yeah, right? Well, I totally agree with this. Lovren set up a goal we... last night for Milner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I, th- I, th- I think this is exactly the case. Though I think Van Dijk will make Lovren better, and I think, yeah, I mean, you could talk partnerships, but if you actually see how Van Dijk plays, I think Van Dijk does two people's job quite often. Uh, the way he is for the first time in a long time, Liverpool have a commanding centre back who tells everyone around him, including the goalkeeper, what to do, and also a man who is supremely unbelievably confident like yesterday they were asking him so what about all this lucky stuff who cares Sasha go home wash firstly Thanks. then sleep and you'll be alright thank you for making <laughs> the effort to come in uh, James equally so and Jules just because you've told everyone where Neymar's going you're off to pick up your Russian visa yes and I'm sure you'd like properly. lots of people to welcome you there yes. so uh, if you'd like to go and welcome Jules <laughs> at the Russian embassy or wherever he's going then please do thank you Jules thank you James thank you thank Sasha you. thank you Rafa and thank you to producer Ben too. And to you, if there's anything else that you want to add, feel free throughout the week and in between and everywhere else besides 24 hours a day at The Totally Show. Bye. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Listeners, around 97% of those of you who tune into The Totally Football Show are male. But despite being more likely to be diagnosed with cancer than women, men are much less likely to ask for help, even when they need it. And that's why we've teamed up with Macmillan Cancer Support to try and put that right. Cancer can affect you emotionally as well as physically. It can affect your relationships, your work and your confidence. So it's vital to seek support. Talking is an important part of dealing with cancer and Macmillan wants to make men with cancer of whatever sort more aware of this so they can be honest and open with their family and loved ones. For more information or to find support, visit macmillan.org.uk. That's M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N.org.uk.